Hello and welcome to Mindshare Radio Podcast. My name is Kevin Whelan. As always, it is so good to have you with me today. Today, I want to talk to you about ditching execution revenue to sell advisory services. And I'll, t- I'll talk you through sort of how I transitioned out of selling execution services in the form of my agency and how it was a process and what I had to do and what trade-offs I had to make in order for that to be a smooth and successful transition. Now, this is just my way of doing things. You could totally do it your own way, and a lot of people do. A lot of people sell advisory and execution. Nothing wrong with that per se. Uh, I just have some some very particular beliefs around it, and that's what worked for me, and that was just what I did naturally. So, again, uh, like all my ideas, um, the best thing I can do is show you what worked for me and let you decide what's going to work for you. And in my experience, however, just note that those that do things the way that I've kind of either done them or teach them, especially in the areas that I feel really sure or confident about, never sure, but confident about, uh, tend to succeed. And those that tend to take take the homework and kind of scribble it and make it their own, as long as it's, I mean, if it's completely different, then they tend to have different results. And that, so just bear that in mind. Maybe you'll have better results, maybe you'll have worse. But those that sort of follow the playbook and follow the same process tend to get similar results. And I don't know if that's just a confidence thing, knowing that it works. Or if, if the way it worked is a good way for others to try making it work, you know, I've heard that, you know, modeling the behavior of people who have done what you're trying to do before has shown to be, you know, a successful way to accomplish similar results. And I do believe that in my own business. So that doesn't mean that my process or the way I've done things is the only way to do it. It certainly is not. However, it's worked, it continues to work and it stands the test of time. So take that for what it is, you know, uh, you'll probably through learning and, and, and trying the things that I teach, adapt it to make it your own. That's part of the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial drive. That is part of innovation. And I totally encourage and totally um, expect you to do that. You should do that. That being said, if things aren't working, uh, it might be you know good to just check in to see where we differ in our approaches uh, and see where there might be opportunities to get in sync and do similar things. So with all that said, I'll get right into it. So you know, several years ago, I was running an agency, you know, way, way back, I was a freelancer. And then uh, at one point I had a corporate job and I kind of always knew I wanted to, um, to go out and, and work for myself again. I had gone to school in, I don't know what it was, 2015 or so, 2014, maybe uh, 2015 ish and, and went to school for entrepreneurship. And, uh, and I did a business model around like the, the net result of this one year postgraduate program was, was you created a business plan. And so I created a business plan around an agency. Um, but at the time I needed, a, I needed a job. I was finished school and, you know, I, I needed to get back into the workforce. Um, so I worked for a corporate job and I had this kind of business model in the back of my mind and I actually sort of worked on it, uh, unofficially, very under the radar, uh, in my free time after hours and weekends. And so what, what that allowed me to do was to sort of build up a book of business and then eventually launch my full on consulting and, and, uh, actually agency, um, back in, I don't know, it was 2015 or something, 2016, maybe when I went full time, I think it was about 2015. Anyway, so I was running my agency and that was doing, you know, multiple six figures in revenue. And, you know, at the end of the day, I was making about 30%, 35% uh, profit. So I'd have to do, you know, like almost $300,000 in revenue to make six figures. And it was a lot of work for me to manage while outsourcing a lot of work to my, to my suppliers and, you know, partners and whatnot. So, it was a lot of work and I decided I want to transition and do more of the things that I do best, which is the strategy piece and the advisory piece. I knew what to do. I knew how to get things done. I just didn't like managing projects and I didn't like 
having to bill for time and then sit across the table for, from a client and say, hey, you need to be spending more money to get better results, but that money's gonna go into my pocket. Uh, so, but you still have to trust me that we, we need to do more to get more to, you know, that kind of thing. And so there was sort of this, always this tug and pull where the client had to fend for themselves to make sure that my work, my advice, my recommendations were all up to snuff and they were all as good as I was saying they were. And I had to kind of prove that, yeah, like we needed to expand the scope of our work without kind of making it seem like I just wanted to earn more money. So there's kind of this inherent distrust that goes on when you sell execution and uh, and advisory, you know, execution services in general. Now, that being said, most clients are, are fine with this. They're on, it's how you buy most things. If someone's trying to sell you something, it's up to you to vet whether that, that thing's a good purchase decision or not. Now, what I figured out was, well, what if I sold you know, to my knowledge and I managed the execution at a high level and I sort of, you know, introduced them to the execution partners, but I wouldn't charge, like I wouldn't make any money on the execution work. I would just take a fixed fee for my work, which involved advisory and management of the marketing program. And what that allowed me to do was to kind of be a co-buyer. Zig Ziglar has a term of being a co-buyer with your clients and allows me to kind of sit on their side of the table and say, Hey, you already know I've negotiated a fixed, a fixed fee. It's a product I service. I didn't charge you more or less than I charged the next person. It's just the fee for the work that I do. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of in it now I'm sitting on your side of the table saying, Hey, I think we should spend more or less to get certain results. And I'm really making that position from a place that is not incentivized by the outcome. It's much like a nutritionist who, uh, who tells you what to eat. And it's like, look, I don't care whether you go to this store, that store or the other, I don't make any money on where you go and buy your food, but I want to get you the best plan for you. And I want to adjust, I want to be able to adjust that, that diet plan based on what's working for you or whatever versus say a butcher or someone who works at a cheese shop, you ask them what to eat and they're going to tell you, you know, eat the meat or eat the cheese that I'm selling. Um, and therefore there's like, you know, a friend of mine or some, someone I'm working with uh, was saying that he uh, recently had someone come look at his house foundation and it was, there was a, a problem with it. And he said, yeah, you know, he's an engineer. It's going to cost you 150,000 to do this really important work. Uh, and then, you know, he's getting a second opinion and there's various, um, uh, very different perspectives that that could be done with this foundation of a house. And the person he spoke to originally who quoted him $150,000 was a specialist in jacking up houses and replacing foundations. So yeah, according to him, uh, obviously he'd make a ton of money to, to do that relatively. And um, that seemed like the best, like if you were going to do it, you do, you do it this way, this is the right way. Although it's not really looking at it from the position of advocacy for the client. Maybe they don't have that money. Maybe they shouldn't be or maybe they don't need to spend all that money now. Maybe this thing will last another 50 years if they just do this fix, right? And then they can deal with the foundational issues, you know, when they want to add onto the house or whatever, or, you know, so there's probably other ways to fix this, but even if there weren't, even if the right choice to make was to, you know, take, you know, jack up the house and replace foundation entirely and everything else, you're inherently as the buyer, especially when you're not like, you're not replacing foundations every day. So, and just like most of your clients, they're not in the weeds of marketing. They don't know all the details and what's good or bad or not. Even marketers often don't know how to do certain things and all the good and bad, you know, how to assess and vet certain work qualities. And it's, it's tough, right? So your, your clients aren't, in, aren't buying this type of your services every single day. And yet they're forced to make these assessments. They're forced to think, well, of course you would say that because you sell that solution and you make, you stand to make a lot of money in doing so. So now they're forced to be a little bit guards up. 
Whereas if someone came in, let's say they were a home inspector and they said, yeah, for a thousand bucks, I'll come in and I'll inspect your thing, but I won't, I won't, I won't like, I won't actually sell you any kind of solution and uh, I ensure maybe I can refer you to some, someone who can eventually fix whatever the problem is, but I don't take a commission. I don't mark up any time. I don't make any referral fees uh, strictly because of my ethics and my morals. I'll even put that in a contract uh, just to stand by it. So, you know, there's no underhanded sort of deals going on. You, who do you think you would trust more, assuming they were both engineers and both equally qualified to make that assessment? I would probably trust the the inspector, the, the person who only inspects and doesn't do the execution work. Now, that's just a preference, right? And it just goes to show you the kind of buying experience you have when someone is selling execution and advisory at the same time because of that. I call it a conflict of incentives, not a conflict of interest because you're both interested in getting the client a result. It's just the financial incentives. On the one hand, the client is incentivized to keep their costs down. You're incentivized to get them a good result and ultimately to earn as much as you can per client. And that kind of creates a push and pull between, well, sure, we could do it the cheap way, but that's not going to get the same sort of results. And the client has to sort of believe you and all, all this stuff. So that's kind of we're doing a lot of throat clearing for what ultimately are kind of my transitionary things. But I just wanted to kind of establish this idea of selling execution and advisory services at the same time. Nothing wrong with it. I know there's lots of agencies, including members of Mindshare Pro, uh, who sell advisory services on top of their agency work. Nothing, no problem with that. Clients are happy and everything else. It's just the buying experience from the client perspective is they have to sort of have their guard about them. They have to sort of have their, you know, their wits about them and they have to kind of know what they're buying. Uh, and it kind of creates this like across the table as opposed to buying on the side of the table of your client. And that's really what you want to kind of establish with your client if you if you can all do that if possible. And that's what advisory services really help you do, in my opinion, the best. So I was running an agency and uh, what I did was I actually created, so KVNW, I still have the old website up. Uh, KVNW was my old agency and I started a new website at Kevin.me and Kevin.me was my advisor program. It was my my consulting, my one-to-one personal brand kind of consulting. And it was generalist. It was, I help anyone do, do their marketing. And that allowed me to kind of catch opportunities in a consulting and an advisory role, uh, without having to really pivot my core agency. Now, what I did was, so instead of adding advisory service to my agency, which you could do as well, but I prefer whenever I create a new, completely new concept and I want to turn that into something more meaningful, I generally create a new website and then I stop promoting my core offer and I like, exclusively if not almost exclusively promote the new thing and that allows me to sort of bridge you know take a transitionary path from one thing to the other now you want to you may want to put all that stuff on you may just want to add an advisory service uh, to your main website and the advice i'm going to give you next will apply either way so um, rather than adding an advisory service to kvnw.com my website my agency website i added it to kevin.me and I, I created a personal brand started blogging over there and what I did was I, I had one client that I was running an agency with and I said, look, you're kind of too small to be hiring a full in-house marketing uh, team, but you also need way more than like a couple, like an SEO and a, and a content writing service or what, and some light maintenance. You need more marketing, but you can't quite afford a, a, a marketing manager. What if we did this? What if I took a fixed fee of four grand a month? It was at the time and I'll manage it for you like a fractional CMO. Now I had known that they hired a fractional CMO in the past and they paid them 20 grand or something when they were just getting started in their business. So I knew in the back of my mind that they were spending a lot more than they were spending on me. I think they're spending like a thousand bucks on me per month. So I knew they were capable and had experience of spending a lot more per month. Uh, they were also growing really fast. They had legitimate needs uh, and th they'd hired a fractional team in the past. So this was like, this was all new to me and I was still figuring it out at the, at the time. I didn't, this is in 2016, 2017. I, I wasn't, didn't even know this really existed. 
So it just sounded, it just sounded more like what I wanted to do. So what I did was I said, why don't, instead of me making money on the execution work, I'll introduce you to all of my suppliers. You can pay them directly. And many of them are overseas. Some of them are local, you know, they're in North America. Some of them are in the Philippines and wherever. And you'll basically get them. They're now your team. So I could get hit by the lottery, as I always say, and you would have an SEO person, a pay-per-click person who's great, a writer, uh, a web developer, and a designer. They would all be kind of your deconstructed team of specialists as opposed to hiring one agency. And uh, so I could leave and you could put a marketing manager in place and you'd basically have this outsourced team of the outside experts and they can just run the internal day-to-day, all the, the tasks and projects that get run internally that most people don't have the skills to do themselves. That's just normal. Most people outsource the technical stuff. So uh, that was the value proposition. That was like, instead of hiring a marketing manager for 70 grand a year, you can hire me for four grand a month and I'll bring in this team. And it's going to basically net out to about the same as, as what it would cost you to hire a marketing manager, except you get all these extra specialized skills and you don't even need to hire them until you need to. And you know, you're kind of a year or two away from needing them. So that was sort of the value proposition. So what I could have done was said, Hey, I'll sell you an additional package. Say, call it $2,500, three grand a month. And then I'll sell you execution services and I'll, I'll mark up their time like usual. And so it kind of nets out to be the same amount of money per month, call it, you know, six or seven grand per month in marketing spend. Now that would have then positioned me then as well, how do we know we really need this? Uh, like why can instead of 15 grand on the website, can we spend 10 can, you know, and what it would, it would be, I would still be in that original position of having to justify the fees, the, the spend and everything else. Um, uh, because ultimately the client had to sort of vet and assess things for themselves to make sure that I wasn't, you know, selling them more than they needed or there wasn't another way to do things. So that's the problem with, so that's why I didn't do that in part. And also because I didn't like the complexity of having to take some money and then pay people and then shake out a profit at the end. I wanted to take my profit first. And that was actually a book that I read at the time called Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. And it had nothing to do with like what I decided to do had nothing to do with the actual contents of the book other than I said, what if I, what, what if I wanted to get paid first with every engagement, take that profit? How would that business look? So it kind of forced a question that I ended up creating a solution, which was advisory services in a way. So, um, yeah, so selling execution and advisory wasn't, wasn't in my, my mental schema. I didn't really want to do that. So this actually worked really well. So the client was like, sure, let's try this. So they paid me that, that amount of money, which was again, less than an employee. Uh, I'd worked with them for years while already doing execution work. And I, and then I just brought in the team and I, and I, I think I had all of them invoice the client directly or, or something, but I managed the whole process. And, and then over time that evolved and kind of grew, I got a second client. That second client wasn't an existing client. They were a brand new client. They went into the, my fractional CMO program. They were paying, I think four grand or 40, you know, 3,500 or, or four grand a month as well, maybe 4,500. And so it was, I had two clients. I was doing managed advisory services as I call it. A lot of people call that fractional CMO. I don't love that term, um, but it is what it is. Um, and that was off to the races, but then I was limited. I was still running an agency with, you know, a few clients doing execution work and I was slowly fading out the, 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 the bottom 20% of my clients and made room for the, you know, the advisory work that I was doing, but I had no bandwidth and no time to market myself. And it wasn't really a business. I was basically a part-time marketing manager. So that's when I slowly phased into specializing in the co-working world. So one of my, my first advisory client was a co-working space. I thought, what if I specialized? That led me down the path of specialization. Eventually I did. I created another website at everspaces.com and uh, started selling just advisory services for co-working spaces, marketing advisory services. 
And yeah, I basically started adding one, two, three, four, five. I downgraded one of my clients to an advisory. My second client after a year or two went to an advisory instead of managed services. I just did advisory work and I've worked with them ever since, since 2017 and, uh, still going strong. And yeah, uh, you know, I just continued to market Everspaces and got more and more clients in that world. And that sort of, I, you know, went down this, this whole path and worked with all kinds of clients and created group coaching and memberships, all that stuff. So that was that. And so basically my, my point here is if you're trying to, if you're trying to get into advisory work, uh, are you willing to burn the ships of, of the execution revenue? Do you see the value in getting paid a fixed fee as a fiduciary advisor, as I call it, meaning you're aligned with their interests. You take a fixed fee, kind of like a financial fiduciary advisor takes a fixed fee to manage someone's money or advise in their, their, their wealth management, but they don't take a percent of the mutual funds or the assets under value or any of these other things. They just take a fixed fee. And that way you know that they're not just selling you a product that they get the highest bonus from. They're selling you the best, you know, stocks and mutual funds and whatever they sell programs for you. So are you prepared to, to get rid of or not take the money from execution services? And that includes referral fees. So I don't take referral fees. I don't take finder fees. I don't take commissions on any execution work. That's all, I could do complete referrals to clients. I don't subcontract the work to them or to, to partners. Um, they get that new client bonus on their lap, 100% free and clear, and my trust and blessing that goes along with it. Also my scrutiny and my you know, attention to detail. And I tell them honestly, if they're not doing what I need them to do. And, um, so it's, you know, it's not that I just work with people and then don't have to hold them accountable. My job is to hold them accountable. That's really the price they pay in exchange for free leads and free business. And they do a great job. And over time I've just found and worked with the best people uh, in their categories, uh, rather than working with a full service agency, I find the specialists in their areas and that works really well. And that makes my job easier. And over time I don't have to Every new client, it's boom, boom, boom. Same, same set of people, more or less. Some, some less, some more, and uh, and then the work gets done to my spec every time, and that works out really, really well. So, are you willing to ditch the revenue from execution to switch into advisory? Now, if you, whether you decided to make this a separate website, whether you decided to specialize in an industry and and specialize in advisory like I did, that's up to you. Or whether you decide to add an advisory service to your list of execution services, the question is then. Are you going to sell execution and advisory at the same time? Some people do it well. In my experience, the fiduciary buying experience, the I don't make money in execution is a better experience for the client and a better experience for you. You get to be a co-buyer and and uh, ultimately a guide. And uh, yeah, and then at some point phasing out your managed component, letting the client manage that or hiring a project manager to, to manage the tasks for you uh, remotely or otherwise. So I just wanted to kind of bring this out there to tell you my story, to give you a little bit of background. Some of you are newer to this group and don't really, haven't really heard a lot of my spiel around, you know, the fiduciary advisor mentality and, um, you know, managed advisory services versus just purely advisory services and selling execution and advisory at the same time. So just wanted to share that with you. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Are you an agency or a freelancer that wants to sell more advisory services? Are you thinking about, are you thinking about not selling advisory or execution services to make that transition? Are you starting a new business or not? These are some questions you'll have to ask yourself. And uh, I think it's fine whether you create a separate business or whether you add an advisory service component. But in my opinion, and this is just my opinion and my experience, if you're going to sell that advisory package, I would sell the entire value proposition where you also then, you know, think like a fractional CMO, you help build the infrastructure, 
you you introduce them directly to the talent so that you can eventually go away and your fees go away with that and either the client can manage that themselves or a marketing manager can get hired to fill that role later in the in the future and they get all these specialized individuals outsourcing the technical stuff the harder you know more specialized work and they can take all the rest of the stuff in-house themselves um and uh yeah ultimately you have more latitude and greater flexibility in the type of work that you can do for them within a, a budget and a fixed amount and that allows you to really kind of maneuver and do some cool uh marketing initiatives so is that what you're gonna do or are you gonna say hey i'm it's a it's a tier on top of my my uh, execution services up to you but i recommend uh i recommend uh ditching the execution revenue and uh selling advisory and then getting the money uh, that you deserve for that portion of it and then eventually specializing and or niching down so that you become truly sought after for your expertise and not your hands. I uh, hope that hope that helps, for, especially for you agency owners and freelancers that are adding on or, or transitioning into execution work. Um, if you need help with any of this, I'll be starting a mastermind group. I have one going already. I've decided to keep it at three members per group. Um, so you can go to kevin.me slash mastermind to learn more about that. It's February 1st today and I plan on launching another version of that in the next uh, couple months. Um, so if you're interested, raise your hand because the first three people that, that are, that express interest and are ready to go, uh, we'll get in and then we'll start the group at that time. Um, otherwise, uh, yeah, if you like this content, share it with a friend, your word of mouth means a lot and your recommendations are much appreciated. That's all for now. And I wish you a great week ahead and, uh, that's it. Bye.